Hey everyone, welcome to PM versus PM. This podcast is about products and product roles. My name is Arjun. Hi, my name is Aditi. And today we're talking about trust between PM and PMM teams. Take it away, Aditi. All right, so as a product marketer, one of the biggest things that we struggle with is proving our value within an organization and to the teams that we work closest with, which often is the product team. And so today I want to just talk about a few things that we work on and how we can really help. I think there are four main components to developing trust, aligning on goals, identifying benchmarks for performance, how we communicate and storytell our product, and the consistency of the relationship and the back and forth and the work. So first, when it comes to aligning on goals, we need to make sure that the PM and the PMM teams are working towards the same thing. Otherwise, we'll end up completely derailing each other by constantly asking for different works. We've seen product marketers be on a variety of different teams, right? Sometimes they're on the product team. Sometimes they're, they're their own marketing team. Sometimes they're reporting to demand gen. Do you think that having product marketers on the product team can help with aligning of goals? Yeah, I think actually that would be so cool. Like as a PM, that would, I think, make the role of the PM be like really a lot more fun. Sounds It sounds more fun to me. Because then what we can do is we can tackle the problem in two parts and not have different reporting structures that are creating differences in goals. So for example, it would be really interesting to me to work on the messaging and the release and the usability and the flow of a feature with all that marketing experience that the PMM brings. And that way we could really work on the main goal, which should always be to like ship product really succinctly. And I think that would be like even more fun to me. Yeah, I agree because as a product marketer and as a product manager, we both have one big goal, which is getting the right product to the right customer, right? Mm -hmm, We do it in like kind of slightly different ways, but ultimately that's our goal. So it's a great idea to have product marketers on the product team but it can it can be a little confusing for people who think of traditional marketing and Mm -hmm. it can get a little complicated because product marketers have to work with so many different teams in order to get what they need to do done but it's important because we are looking at the bigger picture of how to get these goals and we want to avoid the blame game that we often see in these kind of scenarios where a product marketer might be like, oh, I'm not reaching my click-through rates or my sign-up rates. And the explanation for that tends to be, oh, the product's not that great. And if we're on the same team as well, then that reduces all that blame game because then it's just like, no, we're a solid team. And then there's no difference either. Next time that I'm working on a product with a PMM, I want to make a huge conscious effort to really like be a a duo with that PMM and have us like tackle the product together. Different sides of the product, of course. I'd focus more on eng 
versus the PMM focusing more on marketing. Like I would really want us to be a duo team and be really aligned on our goals. Yeah. And also if we're on the product team, we also understand, okay, so how much work is it actually to build a feature that we might think is not as big, but when you actually start working on it, you realize, oh, there's 10 different things that needs that need to be done for this feature to actually work. And for if sure. we're actually in those meetings or we're actually seeing that work happening firsthand, it just makes us a little more sympathetic with the kind of work that you guys do. Yeah. And on the empathy piece, it goes the other way as well. I think product marketers have a fantastic view into where users are and what users are doing. Whereas the product team is supposed to have that view, but instead gets bogged down by a lot of bureaucracy in the in the actual development of product. We can have a separate discussion later about how program managers come into that. But what ends up happening then is that a, a product marketer can be really influential on getting user input into the team and then understanding like what the product's blocks are. Once we're working towards the same goal and we both understand each other that's when we really are able to build the trust that's needed for a good foundational relationship between the two teams for sure yeah and that also kind of goes with with the measuring performance piece as well is that if if we're like really working together then we'll also we'll have the same goals but we'll also be measuring performance in in a much more collaborative way Yeah. What about communication and how we storytell our product? Yeah. So storytelling is a huge part of a product marketer's job, right? It's essentially creating that need for a product in the market, which basically is identifying a problem and then creating the solution that we have and making customers really be able to envision the solution working for them. Mm -hmm. So for that, it's really we're getting a we're trying to not only reach the KPIs that we've already looked at but it's really trying to get these customers to understand the solution and actually buy the product communication is really important for a pm as well except that it's all internal and i was wondering if a product marketer and a product manager are working really closely together would the story match itself more often or resemble each other more closely whether it's external or internal and does that have like a really good effect on the team it can because product marketers are working with so many different teams compared to a product manager we we have this ability to be able to bring back all the data that we're collecting from whether it's internal sources or external, whether it's sales team feedback, customer feedback, support cues, stuff like that. So we can really give you guys a better 360 view of how the product's working in the market and what we're really seeing. And Mm -hmm. from there, we can strategize, okay, so how are we happy with the performance that we're seeing for the product? What sort of direction do we want to take the product in? Are there certain issues within the product that we want to prioritize compared to others? Or are we realizing that something that we thought was really important probably isn't as important, stuff like that. Yeah, and that actually makes me think that it would be a lot more fun to work on products that that have an aligned story internally and externally. Because I could go to my engineering team and all my other all the other teams that I'm working with and we can talk about look like 
this is how the user sees our products. So we can generate more product ideas through the same lens and be more on the same page with our users thanks to that information. Yeah, and one uh, of the biggest impacts that it can have is on user experience, right? Mm -hmm. So user experience can be very different from a person who's making the product and their perspective from what yeah. we're actually seeing that customers need. Yeah, uh, A customer may be like, oh, I don't need this feature on the front page. And the product would be like, I thought you wanted everything right there. Yeah, and so if we're aligned on the story and that information, then we can come up with much better ideas for where the product needs to go. Exactly. The whole team can, yeah. And it just ultimately makes the product better, which is going to help everyone. For sure, yeah. And then, of course, the last piece for trust between PM and PMM teams is consistency. And we talked about it a little bit that if we were on the same team, there would be a lot of consistency, a lot of consistency in communicating, a lot of consistency in sharing work. And I think it would lead to a lot stronger product releases. What we see is we tend to have to repeat ourselves. So say we have decided on maybe one goal that we're both working towards. And then one week we talk about it and then we too, there's not much of a change, but I think it's important that we still talk and refresh what goals we're working towards because that can really create that consistency that we need in communication. Because if we skip like one or two times that we're supposed to be communicating, there could be other times when there are actual results that we want to communicate, but we overlook it. Because that consistency hasn't become a habit. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's also consistency in the in the work that's happening as well, in, in addition to communication. For example, if at, at our previous company, product marketers and product managers had multiple products that we were working on, but each person would have different multiple projects. And so you're constantly kind of battling between each other on okay, today Aditi's working on her other project and I'm working on this project, but then tomorrow it's reversed and everyone's kind of like playing chess with their time and their work. And it's it got really inconsistent. Yeah, so that's, where, that's why consistency is so important, communicating, okay, this is the kind of stuff that I'm going to be working on. This is the work that I would be working on. So the two different teams two different people are working on separate things. And that way we know, okay, Arjun today is going to be working on this project. So maybe I should align the work that I'm doing accordingly. Or like Aditi is working on something around this project and it seems to be priority. So Arjun reprioritizes his work so that he can help her in the best way possible. So it, it's a give and take kind of situation. For sure. um, it makes it easier rather than I come up to you, I'm working on this project and you're in a completely different realm working on Project number three. Yep. Yeah. Which happens a lot. Unfortunately, yeah. In like really high growth, high, high pace teams. But yeah, I think working, collaborating really strongly would help build trust and help ship really great products as well. Yeah. So based on the four things that we've talked about, are there certain things that you you have done in the past to really make sure that these are a part of your communication style? I think we were talking a little bit about, I'm working on this today. And I'm the type of guy that always tries to offer 
help and to get into whatever messes I can. So I'm constantly asking things like, what are you working on and how can I help you out? And, and seeing where, what, what ends up happening. But I, I feel like a lot of times in high paced teams, people just need more heads down time mm-hmm. and less meetings, which goes completely against the more communication, which makes it really difficult. And I think that's what is really appealing to having PMs and PMMs in the same org structure or in the same team, because then you're reducing a lot of the overhead between the two context switching and different projects. How effective do you think async communication, whether that's some sort of a notion document where you just update your to-do tasks or like your daily or your, maybe your weekly or something, something like that, where the person can async, just go in and see, look, okay, so this is what this other person is working on. How effective do you think something like that could be? I think async communication is great. The only problem I think comes from context switching. Once, once everything goes on a notion document it takes a lot of context switching it takes a lot more effort to context switch because everything is in a different tab in your brain and on the page as well now and so i i would be a really big fan of reducing the number of projects per marketer and product manager so that you can reduce context switching and then also you can do better work i i think focus is more important than the communication styles do you have any thoughts on that i yeah i agree with you for sure focus is really important i do think that async can be a great way to reduce the number of meetings we have because like you said we have both of both teams and everyone on especially in a high growth startup really needs more heads down time to really get the actual Mm -hmm. tactical work that they need to do done whether that's a new coding patch or it's a new article that i need to write or something we really need that heads down three to four hours to be able to get that work done and that doesn't really happen when you have like an hour-long meeting at one o'clock and then a half an hour long meeting at 2 30 and then another meeting Mm -hmm. at 3 30 or something you have like these little patches in between but those are never very productive yeah and and I think in both of these positions, creativity is really at a, a premium. The more creative ideas you have in both of these roles, the better the work can be. And when you're only given 30 minutes between meetings, you don't have enough time to be creative. So you don't have enough time to get get your work done. You also don't have enough time to let your mind wander and meander and think of creative solutions and so you end up with low quality work and on both sides on on both like time to do the work and like quality of the work itself and so yeah I think the biggest thing a PM and a PMM can do is like really collaborate and try to reduce the amount of of time wasted So when you're working with a product marketing team, are there any specific goals or KPIs or objectives that you wish they would have shared with you a little more clearly or something that maybe wasn't a part of communication for you or you feel like there's things that that you really want more insight into to be able to understand that role a little bit better? For sure, yeah. I think 
product marketers and product managers should have one common goal and that's the user. We really need to care about what our users are doing, both on at a bird's eye view, product market fit, and at a ground level, which is our conversion funnels and our feature usability. Focusing on users is really important. And I think instead, we take our two roles and focus on our market. Product marketers focus too much on trying to define the market and product managers focus too much on the product. And then we end up forgetting about our users. And I think that in the future, I would really like to work with product marketers and really keep our number one priority on users, which is product market fit and funnel conversions of our features. And I think we would be able to ship in GTM much better products if we did that instead of getting lost in our own little worlds on each side of the product. So we have goals, we have KPIs, we have communication, and we have consistency. So ultimately, we want to build trust between these two teams where we have as minimal blame game going around as possible. We have as much open communication between the two. We collaborate and we both align on the fact that we, at the end of the day, we both care about getting the right product to the right user. And Mm -hmm. we are doing it in slightly different ways. But if we understand each other's roles a little bit better, we can build that trust to really make sure that the best product is created. Sure. Thanks so much, Aditi. This was a great topic. Thank you. (laughs) Moving on to our new section. Last week, it was announced that Microsoft is potentially thinking about acquiring OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT. Have you been using ChatGPT at all in the past couple of weeks, Aditi? I have, actually. Really eye-opening what kind of work AI can really do when you really start looking at ChatGPT. For example, I may have like an idea for a blog. And I can literally just write the prompt into ChatGPT and it'll give me a starting point, which is incredible. Um, And it really brings you a lot closer to what could happen if AI becomes smarter than humans, where I don't know if you ever read the book, The Singularity. I haven't. It talks about the fact that it's estimated that AI will become smarter than humans by 2030. And you really see us inching towards that even closer. The singularity was something that I read in a um, in an elective comp sci class in college, but it's incredibly eye opening to look at ChatGPT and be like, "Oh, I half of my work can be just done by this software, and I don't have to do mm-hmm. the actual like I can I can ask it to create the outline." And yeah, honestly, in my opinion, that's the hardest part. Like you creating the outline for a new blog or an article. I was asking it for hinge messages that I could send. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Microsoft would use it for a lot of different stuff. Microsoft is a gigantic company. I'd be one of the places that they've mentioned bringing it to is Bing. But I think in gaming, it would be really cool. We were talking about it a little bit, having the non-playable characters in the game be powered by chat gpt can you imagine going through call of duty and every single time you play that game it's a completely new experience right now it's like the same experience every time you play it but it Mm -hmm. could just up level the experience of gaming it to a thousand fold 
for sure. Because what you would do, right, is you would say, here is a non-playable character. This is their name. This is their motivation. This is what they're trying to get influence the character to do. And have a conversation with the character. When the character asks you something, say something back. And then you have a completely more immersive game. I think uh, one of the most interesting things Microsoft could do with OpenAI and the ch ch and the ch OpenAI's large language models is is in their gaming div division. Aditi, do you have any ideas on how OpenAI could be used in LinkedIn? One of the biggest things when LinkedIn became more and more of an influencer heavy space, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that influencers today would tell you is consistency and you need to be posting a certain amount of times in a day or in a week. My job, if I were to go into that space and be posting every single day, just got much smaller because what mm. I could do is think of a topic that I want to talk about, go to chat GPT and be like, give me two paragraphs on this topic. And all I have to do is edit it a little bit so that it sounds more like me and there, voila, I have a post. Yeah. That would take me maybe max to max like 15 minutes. It's so much easier. And what would like integrating chat GPT into LinkedIn do? I can't think of anything. That's why I'm asking you. I don't think I could think of anything either, but you know, it's funny. I've, did you watch Megan? I didn't, but it, it looked scary. That's why. <laughs> so basically in that movie, it's an AI toy. The more the kid talks to the toy, the more it acclimates to that kid and starts behaving in the way that the kid wants it to. Mm, and cool. in the movie, basically there were certain safety measures that weren't taken with the AI. And she basically became this whole self-conscious person. Whoa. To the point where if you told her to turn off, she wouldn't turn off. Right. Because she would be like, no, I'm talking to you. I wanted this conversation. I'm not going to turn myself off. Right. So, or if the other one is like, I don't know if you've ever seen Westworld. I haven't seen Westworld either. Clearly, I need to catch up on my AI. <laughs> it's the same thing in Westworld. It's an entire... It's like a live video game. Like you go into the experience, all the people around you are robots mm. and you can do whatever the f you want. It's kind of like GTA style, but in real life. Very interesting. So, and in that same situation, they hear the idea of these robots becoming self-aware. So, right. so if we think about Microsoft bringing ChatGPT into like Microsoft Word, LinkedIn, bringing it into gaming, how far are we really from seeing these self-aware robots? I don't know. I think one really interesting thing about being self-aware is like function matters, right? So like, can you walk? Can you get around? A robot that has only been given the tools to say maybe roll back and forth may not be self-aware enough to do much more than to roll back and forth, right? Yeah, but we've seen... So We've seen robots communicate with each other and create their own languages. So yeah, I don't know. maybe they weren't able to walk around, but when they created their own language, that's when they need to shut down the ex entire project. Or was it? I need to look this up. I forgot. That's cool. I, I'm, I tend to be a little low on the AI's amazing thing. To end our, to end our news segment, Microsoft acquiring OpenAI would be really interesting for gaming, for office. A huge change to the future of education. 
for sure. I don't um, know what it would yeah. do to social media, but it could I think change social media. Remember when we first saw altered images? It was so hard to tell which one's altered, which one's real. Yeah. We're going on to a space where now like the captions or like the content that's being put out, we won't know if that's real or not. So our sense of reality is being questioned in a different in a very strong way here. We and don't. Microsoft can, is such a big company, it could really go anywhere with it. Yeah, you you have Microsoft Word in practically every single school today. Yeah, we're in for a very, very interesting next decade, I I believe, of of how humanity will will change. On to our last and final section. Our fun fact. Today, my fun fact is about James Cameron. James Cameron's Avatar 2 has reached a billion dollars at the box office. And he now has three of the top four highest grossing films. I think it's absolutely incredible what he's able to do as a director. If you think of movies as a product with their own release strategy, market, and product metrics of getting people into the theaters, making money. James Cameron is amazing. I've been thinking a lot about and also looking forward to doing more analysis of how he's able to create these mega blockbusters and seeing what learnings we could do for creating products. I, th I think he creates some awesome stuff. My fun fact is not as long or interesting. So Michelin stars are highly coveted by elite and upscale restaurants in the world over, but they're uh -huh. actually given out by the Michelin tire company. Mm, and yeah, they have the same mascot as them, which is the Marshmallow Michelin Man. Yeah, that's so crazy to me. I, I actually don't know how the tires and the restaurant. And yeah, so and if you want to get fancy, you have to pronounce it like the original French pronunciation was Michelet. They started doing Michelet. Michelet opened now in Canada, so there's some Canadian Michelet star restaurants as well that I've been wanting to go to. Ooh, so. there's a new one in New York actually that I really want to go to. It's the first ever ramen shop that has a star. Oh, all right. That's our show. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We love and want to keep talking about building and using products. If you have any ideas, we would absolutely love to hear them. We're doing this to learn and express our love for, product, for products and we would love you to be a part of it. Thank you so much for listening again. And see you guys in the next episode. See ya. Bye.